Welcome back to the Esoteric News Briefs. I'm your host, Jason. Let's get started. From our northern neighbors at the Bellingham Herald, needle-filled lemons on Canadian hiking trail prompt police investigation tied to witchcraft. Port Coquit lamb has a rather interesting mystery on its hands. Several needle-pierced lemons have been found on hiking trails near the British Columbia city. These items were subsequently wrapped in twine and hung from trees. While they were reported to the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, the objects were removed and disposed of by hikers. If you are leaving these lemons full of needles in public, we ask that you stop and then talk to us and explain just what you were doing, says Corporal Michael McLaughlin. Apparently, this isn't the first time that the park has been the site of occult practices. Chris Campbell of the Tri-City News wrote, I've received many photos and comments over the years from people around the Metro Vancouver area finding these kinds of treats. Pierced lemons are part of a spell commonly known as the lemon curse, often used to target an individual with withering, though it is commonly used today as a means of returning karma, typically negative karma, to an individual. These lemons are usually buried when the spell is completed, though, not hung from trees in a public park. If you find a lemon with needles, please call us and don't throw it away, asks the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. While the hikers who removed the original lemons were well-meaning, ultimately, they destroyed evidence. From NBCNews.com, ancient stone tools suggest first people arrived in America earlier than thought. Three shaped limestone tools have been excavated from Chicuapuite Cave in north-central Mexico. These tools include two cutting blades and a teardrop-shaped piercing point. They were located in various sediment layers, the oldest dated to around 33,000 years ago, well before the end of the last ice age. Scientific models currently place human habitation and migration into the Americas at around 18,000 years ago, 2,000 years older than previously estimated, though these new artifacts almost double that date. The excavation site was located deep within the cave system and was treacherous every step of the way. The trek required a day-long drive from the nearest town, followed by a five-hour descent into the cavern. The walls of the cave system were fragile and were at risk of collapsing at any moment. Instead of stopping digging when you reach a certain layer, you need to go as deep as possible, because there are things down there, says archaeologist Cyprian Ardelaine. The standard archaeological model of the peopling of Americas has the first humans crossing the Bering Land Bridge during the last ice age. Though these new findings stand to disprove that hypothesis. Anthropologist Matthew DeLarrier of California State University San Bernardino questions how a human population would remain archaeologically invisible. Archaeologists in the Americas have either been doing things very, very wrong for the last 90 years, or we have an anomaly that must be accounted for. As an aside, I personally like how this article is presented. It highlights the issue with modern archaeology the, quote, standard model, and the idea that anything that challenges the standard model is an anomaly. Yes, there are going to be exceptions to most scientific models, but that is why they are considered to be theories. They are fluid and should change when presented with new information. Instead, new findings that don't fit the preconceived notion are labeled as outliers and are generally ignored. Much of this has to do with the inherent Eurocentricism at the core of American archaeology. Largely, anything that challenges the idea that inhabitants of the Americas came from anywhere but Siberia is scoffed at and labeled as bad science. 
anything that is truly paradigm-shifting is attacked and made mockery of as the institution itself were loath to change its preconceived notions. But I digress. On to the next article. Exorcists warn church that occultists are misusing hero Venezuelan doctor about to be beatified. The Association of Exorcists, yes, that is apparently a real thing, has warned that Dr. Jose Gregorio Hernandez has been misappropriated by a pagan cult known as Santeria. Before we go any farther, I'd like to point out that Santeria has been in use since it was formed in Cuba during the slave trade era. It is an amalgamation of Catholic religious practices and traditional religion from West Africa known as Yoruba. If a belief system has been in use for 500 plus years, I think it's safe to say that it's no longer considered a cult. Dr. Jose Gregorio Hernandez was born in 1864 and died in 1919. He was known for his kindness to the poor, and after his death, a number of miracles were attributed to him. Mostly, these involved him petitioning God to intercede on his behalf, though the miracle that earned him his beatification was when he aided in the recovery of a girl who had received a gunshot wound to her head. His legacy has made him a folk hero around South America and in Spain causing him to be recognized by the Catholic Church in 1985, when they bestowed upon him the title of Venerable. A representative of the Association of Exorcists describes how this notable figure is being used. There are 21 courts of spirits in the use of Santeria, and Hernandez, in some regions, is the head of the medical court. The supplicants are asked to bring an image or photograph of Hernandez, along with a bottle of water or alcohol. These objects and the patient are consecrated by the Santero, the Santeria priest. They then take these objects home with them and create an altar dedicated to the saint, and as long as the altar is maintained, he will operate on the afflicted at night while they sleep. According to the exorcists, this is a deception. In reality, they say, the patient's soul is being exchanged for healing. We know well, however, that magic is absolutely against the Christian faith and that good magic does not exist. With Latin America having more and more influence on the Catholic Church, there is an equal amount of pushback. In October of 2019, at the Synod on the Amazon, images of the aboriginal Earth Mother were used and later displayed in the Vatican. A zealous Austrian man, while visiting the Vatican, threw these images into the Tiber River, where Italian authorities eventually recovered them. While Catholic missionaries are working with indigenous populations, incorporating their practices into the overarching belief system, conservative groups are insisting that Catholicism remain pure of, quote, pagan influence. Can trees live forever? New kindling for an immortal debate. First, I have to take a moment to appreciate the pun used in the headline. Bravo, Caragiamo of the New York Times. Now, two things in life are certain, death and taxes, and according to this article, certain trees may be able to avoid both. In Chile, there is a cypress tree reported to be 3,600 years old. In Sri Lanka, there is a sacred fig tree that was planted in the 3rd century BC. In California, there is a bristlecone pine known as Methuselah that has been in existence for nearly five millennia. The way the trees grow, they build upon dead material which provides volume to the tree's mass at a low metabolic cost, says Dr. Muno Bosch. Because of this pattern of growth, ancient trees are more likely to die of external causes rather than age-related ones. 
This creates a phenomena known as negative senescence, where older trees are more likely to survive than younger ones. Peter Brown, a scientist who runs an ancient tree database called The Old List, states that, I don't think there is any real physiological or anatomical limitations for them, them being trees. Ultimately, the human lifespan is too short to be able to track the growth of ancient trees with any degree of accuracy. How old can a tree get if it is kept away from outside forces? We may never know. All living organisms eventually die of old age, but in the case of trees, we don't know when that point in time is. They may not be immortal, but they may be able to live far beyond human comprehension. States with the most Bigfoot sightings in 2020 Last month, we saw that Idaho was the top state in the Union for UFO sightings. This month, in a similar vein, SatelliteInternet.com crunched the numbers for everyone's favorite hairy hominid, Bigfoot. These numbers came from compiling reports from the BFRO, or the Bigfoot Field Research Organization. Utilizing the same metrics used to compile UFO sightings, they came up with the following results. Taking the number one spot for the most sightings per capita, and most sightings overall, is Washington State. So far, they have 676 sightings, spanning from 2019 and into 2020. That means that for every 100,000 people, roughly 9 of them have had a recent encounter with a Bigfoot. Rounding out the top 10 for sheer volume of sightings is number 2, California, number 3, Florida, number 4, Ohio, number 5, Illinois, number 6, Oregon, number 7, Texas, number 8, Michigan, number 9, Missouri, and number 10, Georgia. But here's where things get interesting. The number of sightings versus population density. The top spot remains with Washington State followed closely by Oregon, but coming in third with a ratio of 6 for every 100,000 citizens, West Virginia. What makes that interesting? West Virginia didn't even rank in the top 10 for total number of sightings, but based on population density, it falls just behind the two states best known for Bigfoot activity. They are not alone in this either. Last month's winner for most likely to see a UFO is the state of Idaho, ranking number four in this poll, followed by other UFO hotspot states, Montana and Wyoming. Before any of my listeners ask, yes, I live in West Virginia, and yes, I have seen a Bigfoot. Finally, we have the most impressive headline for this episode. For immediate release from the U.S. Department of Defense, the establishment of the Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force. Because of the significance of this event, Instead of summarizing the press release, I will read it to you in its entirety. On August 4, 2020, Deputy Secretary of Defense David L. Norquist approved the establishment of the Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, UAP, Task Force, UAPTF. The Department of the Navy, under the cognizance of the Office of the Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence and Security, will lead the UAPTF. The Department of Defense established the UAPTF to improve its understanding of and gain insight into the nature and origins of UAPs. The mission of the task force is to detect, analyze, and catalog UAPs that could potentially pose a threat to U.S. national security. 
As DOD has stated previously, the safety of our personnel and the security of our operations are of paramount concern. The Department of Defense and the military departments take any incursions by unauthorized aircraft into our training ranges or designated airspace very seriously and examine each report. This includes examinations of incursions that are initially reported as UAP when the observer cannot immediately identify what he or she is observing. I have to say, this is an incredibly historic event. The formation has created the first centralized reporting center for UAPs in this country. Previously, government groups such as Project Grudge or Project Blue Book had sole reign over UAP sightings. These groups were not required to share their information with other government entities. Now, with a centralized center for reporting, different branches of the government know where to turn to when they have or are seeking information on sightings of UAPs. That's all for this installment of the Esoteric News Briefs. As always, until next time, stay weird. <laughs>